State of Digital Publishing is a publication and community for digital publishing and media professionals in new media and technology. In this episode, we speak with Benny Liu, founder of NextShark, about the state of Asian media and journalism. NextShark is a media destination targeting the global Asian youth market covering verticals including business, culture, entertainment, travel, and technology. Let's begin. Hi, Benny. How are you? I'm good. How about yourself, brother? I'm good. Thanks. Thanks for connecting and joining. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no, thank you. Really excited to be here. Awesome. Definitely a topic that is it's a little bit close to me as well. More about like multicultural media. And, and I know that you're particularly focusing on the Asian American community as well. But uh, before we jump into that, I'd love everyone just to know a little bit more about you and how you got next shot to where it is today. Oh man, a lot to unpack there. But I guess the, the short version is that, you know, I was born and raised in uh, San Francisco to Chinese immigrant parents that came here in uh, the mid 1980s. And, uh, you know, growing up, they had the typical, you know, immigrant story where uh, they didn't have very much money. I think my dad said he had about like just a few hundred dollars in his pocket when he when he landed on the plane. And they made ends meet by, um, you know, working at restaurants until the wee hours of the night. And after that, they would have to, you know, attend, uh, you know, English classes like right after. And so every day it was like a big struggle for them for a long time. And growing up in uh, the Bay Area, even though it was so diverse, you know, I saw firsthand the racism and discrimination that, you know, myself and my family kind of faced throughout those years. I think that I, as an entrepreneur, I was really, um, I kind of broke a lot of those typical uh, Asian American stereotypes of like us being super smart. I wasn't academically smart. And uh, I think I knew that kind of very early on because I struggled in school a lot. So when I entered college, the first thing I really did was I worked the best I could um, academically, but I knew that it wasn't really something that I could pursue. And for me, I was just kind of thinking about what could I do differently compared to my peers who were much better academically than I was. And my approach that was I wanted to try to get as much work experience as possible. And so as a freshman in college, my first year, at one point, I think I was working four jobs at the same time and just to kind of keep stay independent. And so I always had that really hardworking sort of spirit and um, kind of like, don't depend on anybody, just try to do your best and survive as much as you can. And, you know, once I graduated, you know, I had a really small stand working in tech um, as a marketing person. And, um, you know, I started my first company in uh, 2011 called New Media Rockstars. And that was focused on covering uh, the rise of digital celebrities, the rise of like online streaming. And I ended up selling that company in 2013. From there, I was trying to figure out what to do next. Towards the end of 2013, I had kind of saw a increase in young people looking to start businesses, uh, looking to start startups and everything like that. And I kind of wanted to build a publication that encompassed um, that culture. And so Next Shark actually started off as an online publication focused on business and success for young people. Uh, I started it with $3,000 of my own money. We've never raised a round of funding, taken any loans, or you know, we don't have any investors or, or, or anything like that. But two years in, um, we noticed that a lot of our Asian-centric content was doing well. And so from there, we, uh, we started uh, pivoting a little bit. And 
you know, I, I was grateful. I mean, I think that even though it kind of strayed away from what our initial focus was, I found a lot of solace seeing that anytime we feature like an Asian face, like a successful Asian business person or showcasing technology coming out of Asian countries, um, we noticed a big uptick in engagement. So that was kind of my first note that, wow, like uh, there is a market here for people in my community. And, um, and I could potentially build like some sort of business around this while also giving back to the community at the same time. And so the transition between business to the next shark you see today was pretty organic and I think that we're very grateful in the matter of two years, we were able to build a leading uh, source for Asian American news. That's really awesome. And it's really good that you eventually were able to like pivot and find that core audience. I know there's always a big focus on communities, like even like in Australia and everywhere else, like there's typical different subsets of cultures. Like there might be like the Armenians in Fresno or in um, Glendale or like, you know, how the Asian American use that as well. They'll typically have their local media magazine or something like that and yeah i guess everything's going digital but do you think that the moment that asian american media online was at that point where you started seeing that uh, pivot or maybe do you think that there was any other point in time like there was 2017 2018 how there was a lot of films and, and mainstream media that was really giving influence and, and um, awareness to uh, like you said successful Asian background uh, entrepreneurs or people? When do you think it sort of started to make, become more mainstream? Yeah, I mean, I think that that's a great question. I will say that, you know, Next Shark is not the first uh, Asian American publication or Asian American news source, right? Before that, there's been many, many others that kind of paved the way for us, especially, you know, I think as early as the 80s and the 90s, there were multiple Asian American focused publications that came out. Why they weren't as successful, quote unquote. I mean, I think that the timing is a, is a big thing. And I think in all businesses, I mean, there's that thing with timing, right? I credit a lot of my team's hard work in the success of Next Shark, but at the same time, like, like we also have to acknowledge that Asian Americans are one of the fastest minority groups growing in the U.S. And I think that, and very much so, I mean, Next Shark just kind of ride that wave of like, you know, that, that of the growth of the Asian American population. And also, like you said, I mean, there has been a lot of strides that our communities has been making. I mean, 2018, like you said, 2019, I mean, that, that's, a, you know, and even before that, you could see more and more Asian focused media and Asian American, you know, tastemakers and influencers getting much more mainstream success. You know, you have the success of the uh, ABC drama Fresh Out the Boat, right? Yeah. Um, that was an all Asian cast and that did really, really, really well and had really, really high ratings when it first kind of came out, right? You also had the success of, you know, Crazy Rich Asians, all Asian cast, and that did incredibly well as well. Um, and then if you go into politics, Andrew Yang, he, when he was running for president of the United States, he surprised a lot of people with how far he went during his campaign, you know, almost came out of nowhere with this grassroots approach. And to most recently, if you look at it, even as early as 2020, you had South Korean director Bong Joon-ho essentially sweep the Oscars because of his uh, film Parasite. I mean, I think that goes to show in business, right? Speaking from a business perspective, I mean, sometimes like timing is a uh, is a big thing too, but I definitely don't want to take any credit away from the work of my reporters and journalists because they have worked extremely hard to make sure that they um, are some sort of voice, uh, hopefully for, you know, people in our community. I definitely want to go into the work that your team is doing um, because obviously if anyone who's listening to this goes onto the website, you'll see that the Next Shark team is covering a lot of communities. But before we go into that, I just want to ask you one side question. What do you see or identify as a trend? Like you see something, then you say, okay, this is becoming a trend. What factors 
do you take into consideration when you consider it as a trend, with particularly in the Asian American context? I think that for us,、um, the, we observe like conversations around the community a lot, whether it's on social media,、um, whether it's in person. For us, we never want to claim that we are the definitive voice for Asian Americans, and nor do I want to claim that I am a voice for Asian Americans. Our community is extremely diverse, and it's made up of you know so many people of different backgrounds and origins, religions, and I think that for us, a lot of our focus when it comes to hey, is this something To talk about is just really looking at the conversations, like what's really being kind of talked about online, and what's really getting kind of people、uh, really talking to each other, and whether it's getting fired up or whether it's something where something that we should pay attention to. We get a lot of、uh, our tip box, news tips box,、um, where people can anonymously submit like article ideas or topics to that we should talk about. We get like a lot every day. I mean, dozens upon dozens, sometimes hundreds. All of our、uh, network, and for us, like what we look at is if we see kind of like a pattern of people. Saying, hey, you know,、uh, you, you guys should check this out. I mean, you know, this is happening, or you know, you guys should talk more about this topic. So we're very cognizant of listening to as many of our readers as possible. We are equally learning just as much from our readers as much as you know we are informing them. And so we look at this as you know almost like a collaborative experience where we do our best to listen to the community and to see what are the conversations and the rhetoric that we need to be either helping amplify or helping lead, if anything. That's really awesome, and I love the fact that you said that there's a lot of tips that are coming, which can be a very good takeaway from anyone else that is looking to start. Feedback is key. So, in looking at the website, I know that the website at the moment, when you look at the news categories, it's segmented by different states or cities. Talking about the trends and the focus areas, how did you guys decide to focus on those particular sections or areas? Again, we kind of just went by the community. So, just for some exact examples, right? I mean, prior to the 2020 pandemic, when we saw a rise in anti-Asian hate, a lot of our content was really focused on covering the incredible strides a lot of individuals、um, in our community were making, and a lot of these individuals, I mean, they were highlighted. By people that would、uh, you know come to us and make suggestions. So, for example, let's say during the 2016 Olympics. At the time, we haven't really covered、uh, sports yet. We didn't even think about covering sports. But during that time, we we started getting so many、uh, DMs and messages from people in our community going, "Hey, Asian athletes don't really get as much attention as I think white athletes, and it might be cool to really showcase some of the strides that they're making." At first, we were hesitant because we were like, "That strays a little bit away from our focus in business." But because we got so many of those like suggestions, we decided to give it a shot and. You could say that our coverage wasn't comprehensive. A lot of it was really just amplifying things that were already being reported. So little things like, let's say, Vietnam winning their first like Olympic gold medal. That alone, I think, you know, we were not even the first outlet to report on it. It had been reported in you know local outlets in Vietnam and obviously mainstream outlets. But because we had built such a large Asian American following by then, a lot of our community members would share a lot of our coverage. I mean, I think that that particular article, I think it got like a quarter million hits in under like 24 hours, and it was、wow. a, and it was a simple report. It wasn't exclusive to. Us. I mean, we cited multiple sources reporting on that news, but that just kind of goes to show the community that we have built already around that time. What you've touched on, from what I can gauge as well, is about like topical expertise and authority, which I think has really helped. Even though that you're covering more broader mainstream categories, the fact that you're focusing on a subset of communities, you know, helped you guys become that topical authority about that matter. And because there's always going to be a lot of communities that you need to cover, it's always going to make it difficult for that spread. How do you see that versus a lot of the main new media companies that have local syndicates? And in terms of the Breadth that they're covering, and how do you see other multicultural like media companies or like others、um, that focusing on a particular community? 
for lack of work, compete against them because they have more of a backing and a budget behind them, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I think for me is that media is a challenging industry. I can't think of very many media companies that are really thriving during these difficult times. I mean, if mm-hmm. you look at it before the social media and prior to the internet, I mean, newspapers and local papers like really thrived a lot, right? And now that everything's kind of moving online, I mean, you have a lot of platforms eating up a lot of the attention. And I think that a lot of those like news outlets, you know, are not doing as well anymore. And I see more and more successful and amazing journalists leave the industry because the opportunities are pretty scarce right now. Now, in terms of like in the context of Next Shark, I mean, you know, that's something that I'm still trying to figure out. I mean, I think that for us, we really speak out to a very specific subset of our community that doesn't really get that much attention. And I think that a lot of these mainstream outlets, I mean, they don't really have Asian faces in their executive team. They don't really. And so, so I think that when it comes to being able to tell really important stories, I think it's really important to really diversify your team as much as possible, especially when it comes to media. Um, I think that in the context of Americans and everything, right? I mean, we're made, we're, we're a melting pot. We're made up of so many different backgrounds, religions, and, you know, and just different types of people come here, right? We're a melting pot. And I think that because it's so vast, For us, I would say that our competitive advantage compared to maybe more well-funded media companies is that we really understand. I think that, well, I don't want to say that we completely understand. I think that we do our best to understand the community as as much as possible. And we do our best to, to, to really hopefully be some sort of a voice for people in our community. And that is able to happen because we have a very deep connection with our readers. You know, I think that Another thing that separates us from a lot of people too is like we have a very human connection in how we do things. So for example, when we saw that there was going to be a rise of anti-Asian hate crimes, you know, all across America, even went as far as saying, as writing a letter directly to our readers on Instagram. And it, it was going, hey, you know, there, there's going to be a lot of news that could be triggering. It could be violent and it could be things that, that could really hit you, you know, personally, especially, you know, with the rise in anti-Asian hate and seeing a lot of this content and news can be very distressing. And it can be very mentally draining. Our staff is, uh, you know, is going through, has faltered, you know, from having to cover a lot of this news, right? And so we, we, we basically said, if you need to unfollow us for a little bit or even mute our account, like we totally, totally understand. And I think that level of open communication that we've done, I think that that has helped us like maintain trust amongst our audience members, if that makes sense. That makes sense. And how are you able to consistently provide that message across different channels i totally get the relationship and transparency they have but how do you do that that it doesn't impact you from a business point of view too much that's a very good question. I mean, I think for me, um, I, I'm an entrepreneur, right? I consider myself an entrepreneur. and uh, But at the same time, I, I would say that in this niche, it hasn't definitely been as lucrative as, as it has with like, you know, my previous ventures and everything, but it's definitely been the most gratifying advertising opportunities to activate the Asian American audience. And when I, when I mean Asian American, I mean the newer generation of Asian Americans that speak mostly English. Yeah. You know, it's very, very scarce. And even covering these like anti-Asian hate crimes in the last like more than a year now, right? I mean, that, that's been detrimental to our business in a sense too, because um, while yeah, readership has been great and people are viewing and we notice an uptick in engagement and everything like that. I mean, um, a lot of this content is not considered brand friendly. I mean, uh, we've lost out on so many, you know, advertising deals because of they, they don't want to be aligned with, you know, this sort of content of, of some sort. 
So um, a lot of the content that we've been doing in the last year has just really been for the community. And it's been tough, but as a leading publication for Asian Americans, we feel some level of, if we have a platform, it's kind of like we're, we feel compelled to do something to help. And for the last year, I've actually been, you know, that, you know, all the reporting that we've been doing, we've been running it at a loss for this last year. And we've been sustaining ourselves by setting up a news fund, you know, where our audience members can donate, which goes directly back to our hardworking reporters that have been working day in and day out um, to make sure that that they're informing our audience in the best way possible. And so, you know, around these times, it's a difficult question when it comes to business. I mean, of course, I want this to, you know, be a very successful business someday. I hope to create something that could really be a driving force and really give fellow Asian Americans and, and hopefully uh, well-paying jobs and be something that our community could be really proud of. And I think very much so right now, I don't know if saying, if I, if saying going with the flow is the right word, but it's more like, this is my position right now. I'm doing my best. My, my priority right now is to to try to help uh, and be a positive voice for the community to be a voice that hopefully, um, you know, informs our community in the most accurate way possible during these difficult times. And in terms of what I want to do in terms of business in the long term, I mean, that's a little bit unclear, but I will say that everything I'm doing right now, I feel very personally gratified. Definitely. No, I totally appreciate your openness and, and where you're coming from as well. It's definitely not easy. If someone was going to come to you and say, Benny, I'm looking to do something similar. What would be some of the things you tell them in terms of some of the mistakes for them to avoid or yeah, some of the lessons that they can avoid to? Because you, you're now essentially giving a path to someone else eventually in the future to do something similar. What would be some of the lessons you can give them? I think that this is a very tough arena. And you have to have really thick skin. And especially if you're going to, you know, be a digital publication and you're going to put yourself out there, it could be a tough road ahead because not only is being in media tough, but being, you know, if you're trying to start a BIPOC owned media company like me, minority owned media company like myself, where you're targeting a specific niche, like that, that's just as hard too. But I would say that my advice would be, you know, if this is truly really what you want to do, like be prepared for, you know, a lot of long sleepless nights, be prepared, be prepared for a lot of tough challenges ahead in order to build and keep your company sustainable. But I will also say that be true to yourself in a sense of don't think too much about like, what are the tips and tricks to build this company or to build an audience. Everyone always asks me about like, you know, how do you do this to, uh, to beat a Facebook algorithm or a YouTube algorithm or whatever that may be. And I think for me, I, I've always just focused on good content at my core. I've always focused on producing content that is compelling to people within my community. I have always, you know, looked into producing content, at, you know, after getting feedback and listening to people within my community and getting different perspectives. And I truly believe that ultimately, if you're content quality focused, you're always going to win in the long term, because that's what people want to consume. And that's what people want to align with. So that will probably be my advice. Absolutely. And one other tip as well, like what point do you consider monetizing? Because I know initially, like you have to f really focus on publishing a lot and also covering a lot. What, what's the cutting tipping point? Where should people who are starting out need to consider tipping point to then look at expansion or developing a team or further monetizing the website? Where did you see that cutting point for you? Because we were a bootstrap uh, publication, we didn't have the luxury of having like a lot of money in our bank account as padding to invest. So we kind of had to think about monetization a little bit from day one. So yeah, even little things like setting up Google AdSense or something, right? It's not substantial revenues, but at least it's something. I think that it depends on your approach. If you're lucky enough to you know raise a good amount of funding, 
then you, you probably don't have to think about it for a, a certain amount of time, whether it's a year, two years, three years. I mean, there's companies out there that get sold without any revenues. If you are a bootstrap company, then I think you just have to ask yourself that. It's like, okay, well, how long can you go without any money? Do you want to expand your team? Because if you expand your team, you have to give something. You know, is it money? Is it uh, making them a partner of some sort? There has to be some sort of exchange, right? And so I think that every company is different. But I think ultimately, if you, in practicality point of view, I think that at the end of the day, yeah, you know, you're, you're still also a business too. So that's something that I think you guys should consider from day one, in my opinion. What made you feel from how you started the tipping point for you? I think that it was really natural for me. I mean, I looked at it as, uh, you know, for me early on, it was just kind of like, hey, let's just, we'll just set up AdSense and work with different ad networks, whoever was willing to work with us, you know, and obviously revenues were not that substantial at the time, but as we keep going on and as our voice, as, as we started building an audience, we started getting more and more opportunities from different brands uh, who were interested in aligning with us. I wouldn't say that there was really a tipping point. I mean, I've always really been the type where if you want to keep yourself sustained and yourself sustained, you have to figure out a way to make money for the company. For anyone else, in terms of like straight advice, I would say that if you have the luxury of having funding and having great operating capital in the bank, Always focus on the quality of the product first. How is your product compelling enough where your audience members and your target demographic is coming back to you quite often? Have you built a, a good fan base already? And everybody's barometer is different. It could be a million readers. It could be whatever amount of active readers, right? I think that depending on, you know, what niche that you're in. I think that for me, Next Shark, it was just very, very gradual. Actually, I wouldn't really be able to pinpoint a, a specific tipping point because I've been so personally like involved with my company for a while. And I'm, I kind of like have been working in the trenches, like hand in hand. And so it's interesting to kind of see as like we started growing, we, we definitely started getting more and more inquiries for like brand deals and advertisers interested in sort of working with us. So that process has been quite organic for us. But I, I would imagine that everybody's different. And I think that you know, everybody's stories would be different. And, you know, they, they'll have their own individual barometers, depending on company that they're trying to build. I agree as well. The reason why I drill down again more specifically to this question because like you said it's a difficult business to get into and you need to have that thick skin so i think having that motivation to realize like you can self-sustain it's probably going to help drive your head and i think that's what i took out from what you said from the main thing in addition to understanding where you're up to and how the things grow organically with the product that you have so i appreciate your honest feedback on that just looking ahead, Benny, I know you said that for lack of word, going with the flow, but are there some things that you're trying out or is there looking at more communities or different things that you want to cover? What are you thinking at the moment, just given the situation? My main thing right now is to think about how do you keep this company sustainable? I think we've built a great audience already, but I think that we still have a long way to go as a company. And so I'm thinking about um, how to streamline operations. I'm also like constantly brainstorming different ways to keep this company sustainable while still like keeping our quality reporting consistent. Mm -hmm. And so uh, a lot of my work now is just doing research and to see, um, you know, what exactly does it take to have like a 
sustainable digital media company in this age. That's a challenge that I think everybody's facing. If you look at all the venture funded digital media companies in the last like five, 10 years, I mean, a lot of them are not really doing that well. A lot of them are struggling and a lot of them were raised funding at really, really high valuations that never really materialized. Media, I think in general has a big challenge ahead when it comes to, you know, figuring out what this looks like. And I think that um, as a collective, I don't think any particular industry has really figured out that secret sauce. I mean, you have, you know, publications focused on paid subscribers. You have publications focused on premium content, or I think Business Insider, they now have a paywall and they also release uh, products themselves too. Like whether it's like internal data that they've kind of found on particular businesses or whatever, and they sell that as a premium product. And so those are things that I'm kind of, you know, tinkering and playing around with. I'm also trying to think about like, what could I do to uh, have a more deeper connection, direct connection with our audience? Because we have a large like social media following, right? But unfortunately, like those platforms, we don't own those platforms. You know, it's almost like th that's like a borrowed audience per se. And so I'm thinking about what are some things that I could do to really have a deeper connection and with our audience, whether it's newsletters, whether it's producing great content that compels them to, you know, become like a premium subscriber of some sort. We just got out of a Facebook accelerator. We did like a, you know, six, seven month like training program that kind of gave us more ideas to be sustainable. And so we're trying to implement those initiatives. I don't know if we're going to be successful or not, but I think that um, I still remain passionate in, in what we're doing. And it's a tough challenge, but I am willing to take it. For everyone listening, watch this space. I'm going to definitely reach out again at some point. I want to connect and see how you're going. And Benny, with that, I really appreciate your time. And thank you for sharing your journey and what lies ahead. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And really appreciate uh, you, know, you giving me space to speak today. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the State of Digital Publishing Podcast. Listen to past and upcoming episodes across all major podcast networks. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and join our community groups. Finally, visit stateofdigitalpublishing.com for premium information, resources, and become a member today. Until next time.